2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going back to Corinthians today to continue our study through the series of 2 Corinthians now. And we are learning specifically here that Paul is opening up his heart to the church of Corinth. Now, we went through last week a titled uh, a message titled now being rooted and grounded in love and we talked about how this year we want to be rooted this year we want to be grounded in love and, and therefore because we're rooted and grounded in love the fruit of the spirit would naturally overflow and come off from our lives come out of our lives you see there are times where we are rooted and grounded in all the wrong things and therefore we don't grow with the fruit of the spirit in our lives and we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, how that looks like. Being now filled with the Spirit of God. What is the fruit of the Spirit? It starts in love, and from love it overflows. But now, from there, we can now segment over to 2 Corinthians, where we see that Paul is opening up his heart, and he speaks about this important topic, and that is a call to holiness. A call to holiness. I would pray that this year you would be a student more of God's Word and you would take notes and write this down, a call to holiness. Why is it that we want a call to holiness? Because we learn through the Scriptures, different parts of the Bible, that the highway of usefulness is holiness. If you want God to use your life, and I'm sure we all here want God to use our lives, it starts with holiness. Now, in fact, I know for certain because the Bible tells us that God wants to use your life. <laughs> I know because the, God, the Bible tells us that God has given you each gifts that He wants you to use for the edifying of the body of the church corporately. There are gifts here represented, many gifts represented. But in order for God to use those gifts, He requires holiness. He requires obedience. And therefore, we as a church are saying this year... We want to be rooted and grounded in love. We want to be a church that prays. We want to be a church that reads the entire Bible from cover to cover. We want to be a church that is flourishing when it comes to ministry. We want to be planted. We don't want to be uprooted. We want to be rooted. We want to be spiritually mature, accountable, show integrity, show consistency, show godly character, personal integrity. That's what it means to be rooted and grounded, to grow. We also want to be a church that is working together with God, but in holiness. Because it doesn't matter only if you serve God, it also matters how you serve God. And not even, even before that, if you serve God, maybe in your life right now, is there something in your life that you are bringing over from last year that you know God doesn't approve of? Because there are certain things in our life that God doesn't approve of. And therefore, he's called us to be holy. The word holy in the now Greek word means hagios, which means set apart. God has called you holy. God has called you to be set apart. Set apart for what? Set apart from sin and set apart for God. Set apart from sin and set apart for God. Today, I pray that we renew our vows. <laughs> That we renew our commitment when it comes to holiness. How does the holiness in your life look? Why is holiness so important? 
Why is it that God has now deemed the church, called the church, commanded the church, now ordered that the church would be holy? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, let me read it to you. It says this, But in the great house there are not only vessels of gold and vessels of silver, but also vessels of wood and of clay. Some of those vessels are for honor, and some of them are for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, anyone purifies himself from the latter, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Holiness matters because we want to be sanctified. We want to be useful. We want to be prepared for the master's use. There are a lot of things in our world happening today. You, you hear about them in the news. The wars, the rumors of wars. You hear about us living in times that are now end times. If you read prophecy, you go through Revelation, you go through the different prophecies of Scripture. And I encourage you to do so, to join us so that we can go through them together. But as you know this, as you know that we are nearing the end through Bible prophecy, it should now give us now more of an encouragement to live holy lives. Because we are living in the end times. Just imagine the Lord is more near today to come for His church than He ever was before. That's to change the way you live. If you knew that Jesus was coming tomorrow for His church, would it change the way you live today? It would absolutely change the way you live. Therefore, we want to be a, now a tool, not for dishonor, but a tool for honor, now useful, sanctified, cleansed for the master's use, prepared. Today, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself in holiness. Prepare yourself through prayer. Prepare yourself through cleansing of the word of God. Prepare yourself through accountability so that you can be useful for God this year. Because what you do not want is to repeat the same spiritual year that you did last year, again this year. You want to go deeper. And the only way to do that is by saying, Lord, I want to set myself apart for your use. I want to be useful. In fact, the Bible tells us through Hebrews 12, 14 as well. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Notice this, holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That, that, that shouldn't make you tremble a little there. <laughs> Every time I read that verse, it makes me pause for a moment because it says, pursue peace with all people and be pursuers of holiness because without holiness, you will not see the Lord. That means if we're living a life that is not holy, we are not going to see the Lord. It's not enough only to believe you must be born again, submitted to God in holiness. Are you submitted to God in holiness or can we today renew our vows when it comes to holiness? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to start with verse 11 here now. As Paul has shared with them everything he has gone through in ministry and how God has been with him, God has comforted him through every circumstance in ministry. He said, we have put ourselves through these very now difficult times and seasons we have the lord has allowed us to go through these now rigorous times in ministry because we love you and we're opening up our hearts to you but notice in verse 11 how it begins oh corinthians and he's talking to us now even the californians <laughs> oh church oh alive christian fellowship 
O Corinthians, look what it says as we continue reading verse 11. We have spoken openly to you. We have been open. We have been transparent. Notice how Paul is always transparent in what he says. He really says what he means. He is not wanting you to guess about what he's saying. He is not wanting you to try to now figure it out. He says it plainly now. He leaves no room for gray areas. I love that the Bible is so black and white and it leaves no room for gray areas. There are times where we want to live in that gray area. That is not holiness. God it says you're either for me or you are against me. Look what he's going to say. We have spoken openly for you or to you. Our heart is wide open. Do you see that he's speaking not only with an open mouth? But he's also speaking with an open heart now. He's being transparent. He's speaking with honesty, but he's also speaking from the position of love. He just told them for the first 10 verses of that chapter, everything he was willing to go through to serve them because he loved them. And now he's going to bring a correction. You see, we, we, we have to appreciate the correction as well. We have to appreciate the correction just as much as we appreciate the encouragement. In our lives, sometimes we like to hear the encouragement, the word of encouragement. I want the Lord to have a word of encouragement for me. But the word of correction is just as important as the word of encouragement because it exhorts you to, to now be more disciplined and grow in your walk with the Lord. We all need discipline in our lives. It's the small disciplines that you make in your life every day that, that make a big impact in your spiritual walk. But notice what he's saying. We've spoke openly with you. Our heart is wide open. But he's speaking like a spiritual father. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this text that we are going to read today. And we ask, Lord, that as Paul was speaking openly to the church, that we would receive that message. That just like with an open mouth and with an open heart he spoke, we would have open ears an open mind and an open heart to receive it, Lord. We thank you for transparency. We thank you for love. In Jesus' name, together the church said, Amen. Do you know that the Bible tells us that every time we speak the truth, that we ought to speak it in love? In fact, in Ephesians 4.15, Paul says, But speak the truth in love, that you may grow up in all things into Him who is the head of Christ. In order for you to grow up, you must hear the truth, and the truth must be told in love. Paul is speaking the truth in love. And he says, O Corinthians, we've spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. Our mouth is wide open. We've demonstrated this transparency. And he's speaking to them as a spiritual father would speak to his children. Because he cares for them. And if somebody cares for you, they're, they're willing to tell you the truth. You're going the wrong way. You need to stop what you're doing. You need to cut that out because that doesn't honor God. The people that tell you that in your life are those that love you the most. Notice what he says in verse 12 now. You are not restricted by us. You are not withheld. That word restricted means withheld. You are not withheld by us. There is no lack of love on our part. We have been vulnerable to you. We've been available to you. We've been transparent and honest to you. There's, you are not restricted by, on our behalf. But you are restricted, listen to this, by your own affections. You are not held back because of us, Paul says, but you are withheld or you are held back because of your own affections. What are the affections that these Corinthians have? 
He said, you are not restrained. Your spiritual growth is not restrained because of me and the other apostles. You're not restrained because of this teaching. Don't think that you're held back because of teaching. In fact, you're held back because of your own affections. What are your own affections? Well, the own affections that the Corinthians had is that they loved too much the things of this world that they were not open to receive the message. In fact, they were too in love with the world. They love the world. They also love themselves. They refuse to really deal with their selfish and worldly attitude towards Paul. They did not want to ever accept the correction or the truth or the biblical teaching because they said, you know what, we are good. They were always actually now saying, you know what, what are his motives? Very skeptical about Paul's message. And therefore, they never were open now to receive and to grow from it. See, there are times where we come to church and we are very skeptical. We, we, we actually don't really want to receive what's coming forth from the Word of God. And therefore, we leave just the same way that we've come in with a hard heart. Therefore, he's telling them, soften your heart today to th that you can receive the message. Don't be entangled with the things of this world. Your own affections are entangling you. Your own affections are holding you back. The Bible tells us that you will either be entangled or you will be engaged. In fact, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, no one engaged in warfare. No one that's engaged in spiritual warfare will entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Think about a soldier in the military. You think he can entangle himself with affairs of this world when he is in warfare? Absolutely not. He will get quickly distracted. And Paul exhorts us here again, don't be entangled by this world, by your own affections, that you cannot be engaged in the spiritual warfare that you're in. I want you to ask yourself, how were you entangled last year? Were you more entangled than you were engaged to your spiritual walk? Were you plugged into your spiritual walk? Or were, there your own, or were some of your own affections entangling you and withholding you and holding you back, restraining you? What is restraining you today? Ask yourself, what is restraining me today? What is it that's withholding you? Is it a selfishness? Is it a pride? Is it a love for something that you know that God is saying, you know what, I don't want you to love that that much. I want you to relinquish that. I want you to give that up. In fact, let's read, keep reading in verse 13. Now in return to our love, look what he says. For the same, just like we love you, I speak to you as children, you also be open. Remember that. You also be open. What is the exhortation? What is the command here? To be open. Open to what? Open to love. Open to receive. Open with a heart wide open to the message that he's about to give. You see, the church here had a lack of love for the truth. They didn't have love for the truth. Do you have love for the truth? You know how you have more love for the truth? By spending time in the Word every day. Therefore, your heart is wide open. Your heart's not closed to coming to church. Your heart's not closed to come in a prayer service or to come and serve the Lord or to come and spend time in the Word of God. Your love is wide open because you want to receive now. It's not a non-responsive attitude. And I pray that as we come to church, we would not have a non-responsive, cold, suspicious attitude about the motive in the message. Like if you're speaking to me, you, sometimes we think, you know what, was, you know, was he trying to speak to me? Yeah, absolutely. He was. Not me. The Lord was. We're trying to speak personally to all of us today. 
That's exactly why we've come, because we want to hear from God. In fact, he says, likewise, be open. Now, verse 13, you also be open. Be transparent. Be honest. Be open. See, you can never love people if you're not open. You don't have an open heart. Try to love someone with a closed heart. It's impossible. Try to love someone when you're in a rush. It won't happen. Try to love someone when you're thinking about yourself. Very difficult. You cannot love someone until you have an open heart for them. And he's saying, I want you to have an open heart so that you can love and so that you can receive. And this is now the exhortation he's going to give them in verse 14. And this is a very powerful exhortation because I, I think that sometimes we forget how important this is. If you don't know this exhortation in, in verse 14, it's really going to dilute, it's going to water down your Christian character. God has called you to be the salt and light of this world. And the problem with the church is that sometimes we try to be so much like the world to try to identify with them that we no longer look like the church, we look like the world. Because we want to identify with them, we want to have friends and, and be so popular, notice, or whatever it would be, we want to connect. It's all about connecting now. We connect through social media, we connect through the media, we connect through our phones, we're always wanting to connect. But I want to, I want to encourage you to never let or never forsake your convictions for the sake of connecting with anyone. Because what matters most are your convictions that you have with the Lord. Notice what it says here in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Underline that please, church. Somebody here needs to hear that. Whether you're in a relationship, in a partnership, it, it, teaming up. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You see, the word unequally or the word yoked, the word yoked, let's study that word, because yoked speaks of something that is bound or joining two things together. That is a yoke. Yoke means joining two things together. But unequally yoked means joining two things together that shouldn't be joined together. <laughs> and there are a lot of times we join ourselves either in a relationship that is unequally yoked, that should not be bound with that person, go into business, team up, start to want to fellowship in, in such deep and intimate, committed ways, and we become unequally yoked. Let's read this verse because this verse is important now. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, this is not a suggestion. This is not something that worked for Paul, so maybe it works for you. This is a command. And if it's a command, it means it requires obedience. It requires your obedience to not be unequally yoked, to not be or bound with unbelievers. So you pay really difficult consequences where you bind yourself with an unbeliever. And there are times where we say, you know what, well, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that this person gets saved and then I'm going to bring that person to the Lord. And, and more than likely, I'll tell you, that will not happen. More than likely, that person will draw you away from God instead of you bringing them to the Lord. It happens. It's, it's the truth. It's the reality. The Bible says it so specifically, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why? For what fellowship, verse 14, it tells you the reason. What fellowship or what communion, fellowship means communion, has righteousness or being right with God, holiness, with lawlessness or with disobedience and with sin. Do you think that sin 
and a holiness has any type of communion or fellowship has absolutely no fellowship or no communion. It shares no space, lawlessness or sin or rebellion against God with holiness. How is it that holiness and rebellion now is being spoken of in a joint manner? And therefore he's asking the question that he wants you to answer. Do you think that being in rebellion with God and being right before God has any type of fellowship together? Absolutely not. And what communion or what fellowship again, verse 14, has light with darkness? Do you notice that when you go into a dark room and you turn on the light, what happens to darkness? It vanishes away, right? Where is the darkness at? It's in, darkness is really in the absence of where light is present. Do you think that you can have darkness and light at the same time? That's what he's asking. Absolutely not. You cannot have light and you can have darkness at the same time. So why is it that we believe and the church of Corinth believe that they can now team up or have communion or have this joint intimate fellowship or mix together or share anything in common like light and darkness do which have nothing or lawlessness in righteousness. The New Living Translation reads this verse, Do not team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? How can light live with darkness? Understand this, that the unbeliever will always seek to honor or to please something or someone apart from the one true God. Do you know that? That they would have the same, that they're not gonna have the same values, the same God, they're not gonna have the same goals. Because their, their, their values are going to be different from those of the Scripture. And therefore, they will slowly cause you to compromise. Therefore, there is a danger here. And he's warning you against the danger of linking up with unbelievers. In whatever manner that is. Let's continue reading in verse 15 because it, he goes even deeper. Or what accord? Verse 15 and 16, he said, he's going to talk about an accord. He's going to talk about a part and he's going to talk about an agreement. Well, what thing do you share in common with an unbeliever? What possibly can you identify with an unbeliever when you are called to be separated from God? Verse 15, and what accord or what union, what harmony that word? How can you ever be linked together? Does Christ have with Belial? Now, Belial is a term that is only used twice in Scripture. And it signifies Satan or it means the devil. And really what the meaning is, is it's worthlessness or wickedness. Do you think that Christ has accord with the devil? Do you think that Christ agrees on anything with Satan? You think Christ can say, you know what? We agree on this enemy. <laughs> Absolutely not. And therefore he gives such a dramatic explanation and example. Do you think Christ ever has any agreement with the devil? What is it that, that Christ can find any type of harmony with Satan? There is nothing, that there is no harmony, there is no union, there is no linking together. They don't even sound together. It's almost like if you're bringing a different note into a song and it's a completely different key, it doesn't sound the same. It doesn't even sound the same. It cannot be linked together. Christ and the devil have no linking, no harmony together. It doesn't go together. Do you see how obvious he's being? He said it doesn't have the same mind. Not the same values. There's an automatic conflict that doesn't honor God when you link yourself with an unbeliever. What's the automatic conflict? Well, now you're competing against 
Who do you spend more time with? You or now the church or the Lord or in fellowship? Or let's compromise a little bit in our integrity when it comes to doing business. Or that doesn't really uh, bother me, but it would bother someone that has convictions and biblical values. So do you see why every single time we should be careful on how we are linked together with others? In fact, this is a very strong exhortation. There's no gray areas. There's no room. He makes it very clear when it comes to the believer and the unbeliever. Verse 15, or what part, what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And maybe you came today in praying, asking, Lord, do you approve of this? And God is saying, no, I don't now. I pray that you would be obedient enough to make the changes in your life that you need to. Because this is going to cost you your character, your godly character. And sometimes you say, well, you know what? That person is, 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 is you know, the semi has a fear for the Lord. A semi fear for God is not the same as being committed to God. And that's going to make you and draw you to sin and to compromise. There's a danger here. And he told them how much he loved them. But he says, what part do you think, where do you think that you can actually agree with him if you cannot agree in the most important issues of life, which is your values, your integrity, right? You go into a relationship, you end up married, guess what happens in the home? Now there's a lot of conflict. There, there's a lot of division. You're not both committed to serving the Lord. You're committed in one side to the flesh and you're committed in the other side to the Spirit and you learn very quickly that you cannot please the world and you cannot please God at the same time. You can't serve two masters. Eventually, it waters down your Christian character. You see, and what he talks about here, what he's saying is that it really applies. And I, and I want to be very specific here and very clear because it, only, it doesn't only apply to a relationship. It really here applies to any environment where the world can come in and influence your way of thinking. Do you see that? Where the world can come in and, and, and really influence your way of thinking. That's why it says, do not be linked to an unbeliever. It, when we are now conformed with the world, we are not displaying the Romans 12, 1 and 2 mindset, but the renewing of your mind, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable sacrifice. It starts with the renewing of the mind. So any environment that you are setting yourself that influences you in a worldly way or ungodly way or changes the way that you think now is something that you have to take before the Lord and say, Lord, if you need to remove this, then remove this thing or this person from my life or from my commitment because I don't want to be in this that it will then eventually cause me to backslide. This is how backsliding begins. Backsliding. Where one time you were so committed to the Lord and then you've taken steps backwards because of that. In 1 Corinthians, Paul already told the church, chapter 15, verse 33. This is a very strong verse and I want you to remember this. Do not be deceived. Don't be lied to. A lot of times we're lied to. Oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Paul says, don't be lied to. Evil company corrupts good habits. Are you surrounding yourself with someone that can produce in you good habits? Are you surrounding yourself with someone that can produce in you godly habits? What kind of habits did you have last year that were rubbing off from the people that didn't fear God? What kind of habits do you have today? 
You see, the habits that we want are those habits that we learn from the fellowship of believers. That's why we need to find people in the church that we can spend time with and be accountable to with. Why? Because evil company corrupts good habits. You know where you get good habits from? From the discipline of God's word. You know what a habit is? It's a discipline that you have now subconsciously created over time. What kind of habits are you creating? What kind of habits did you have last year that didn't honor God that you want to change? You want a new habit. You want a new discipline. I want a, a, a discipline that, that starts with prayer because I am at church, because I am encouraged with the believers. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying you're in the world. Yes, you are. You're at work. Yes, you are. You might not work for a, a Christian company. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. It's almost like a ship. It's been given this example before. Like a ship who should be in the water, right? But the water shouldn't be in the ship. <laughs> you see how that works? It's a lot of times that we let the water in the ship. And what does the ship start to do? If you let water in, the ship starts to what? It starts to sink. And we're freaking out. We start to let go of all the luggage and saying, no, we want to stay afloat. That, that's not your problem. The problem is that there's water coming from the outside in the ship. So the ship starts to sink now. And it, guess what? It waters down your character. Have you allowed any leaks to come into your life that should not be there? Have you allowed anything in your life that should not be there? Maybe thinking that because of this amazing connection, it's going to give you success. You know what success looks like? It looks like obedience to God. That's what it looks like. Are you surrendered to God today? Because God has a plan for us. He wants to use your life. He wants to use your life. But are you submitted to Him? Now verse 16, as it goes on, And what agreement now has a temple of God with idols. When it comes to the temple of God, do you think the temple of God, you would ever go into the church and find idols? Absolutely not. Do you think you ever go to church and, and find these, these shrines or these idols set up at church and, and these little candles lit up with idolatry? That would never happen. If it's a real house of God, that will never happen. <laughs> Now, now, if he's giving us this example, these are very uh, visible and direct examples or graphic examples. Now he's saying, for you are the temple of the living God as God has said. Now he's saying here, just like you will never find idolatry in the house of God, there should not be idolatry in your life. Just like you will never find idolatry linked up with the things of God, there should be never anything from the world that is linked up to you or that is attached to you by default. Do you see that sometimes we allow ourselves to be linked up with things of this world that we should not be linked up with? Relationships or other things in our life that we should not be linked up with? And it causes us to backslide. We will pay a very costly, very dangerous price when we allow this to happen. Just like you will not see idols in the temple, look what it says here. You are the temple of God. Wherever you are, you are the temple of what God? The living God, as God has said. Did you know that your body is the temple of the living God that wherever you go, you are His temple because you're, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. So wherever you're going, His temple is there. Think about it. You're at work. The temple of the living God is there because you're there and the Spirit of God is inside you. The power of God is inside of you. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul tells the church in an earlier letter, he says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles or compromises or corrupts the temple of God, God will destroy him. It says, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You're the temple of God. 
And the temple of God is, is separate. It's reserved for the use of holy things only. Do you think that we can just rent out this space for any, any reason? No, this is, we use this space for only holy things. And God now has purchased you to be His temple when He's giving you this Holy Spirit. And now your life is reserved now for a special purpose. It's almost like you find a special purpose building intended for special purpose. <laughs> That's how your body is. That's how your life is. You're the temple of God. You're separated. The whole temple is set apart for God only. You see, when you would go to the temple back in the day, you would have the outer court, you would have the holy place, and then you would have the most holy place in the Old Testament. And the outer court, it was the court of service. That outer court, that place in your life, that place is reserved for service. The holy place, maybe a little bit more of an intimate place, it's served now for sacrifice. And the most holy place is reserved also for worship. Every part of your life is the temple. And it is not intended for sin, it's intended for holiness. You belong to God and you have no right to violate God's building. Do you see how that works? Because there are times where we want sometimes to compromise and say, well, Lord... I know you love me. I know I'm your temple. Your spirit of God lives in me. But I'm a missionary, Lord. <laughs> and I'm going to save that soul for you. And I'm going to do it in a way where, you know what? We're linked together. And God is saying, that's not the way that evangelism works. Remind yourself, you're in this world. You're not of this world. You are not of this world. And look what he says. You are the temple of the living God, as God has said. God has reserved you as his temple. That means that you are reserved for a special purpose. Verse 16, I will dwell in them. He's reading from Ezekiel now. Where God is promising that he wants to live inside of you. Therefore, you're his temple. I will dwell in them. I will live inside of them and walk among them. I'll be walking among them. They'll, they'll be, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. There's a, here now a way of us learning why we're the temple, because His Spirit lives inside of us. He wants to walk among us. He's going to be our God, and, and they shall be my people. What is He talking about? Communion, fellowship, oneness, unity, fellowship with God, because we're His temple. See, God cannot share space with sin. Therefore, we should not share any space in our lives with sin because God is saying, you know what? I live inside them. I'm going to walk among them. I'm going to be their God. They're going to be my people. We're going to be united. We're going to be in fellowship. We're going to be one. Now, we can continue reading in verse 17. Therefore, God has this intended for you. Did you know that God wants that type of unity in verse 16? The Ezekiel type of unity. He wants to be inside you. He wants to walk among you in your household. He wants to be the God of your household, the God of your life, the God of your marriage, the God of your children, of your family, of, of what you hold your values to. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17, therefore, with this in mind, because this is sad, come out from among them. Would you underline that for me, please, in your Bible or for yourself? Because you need to learn this. We need to learn this together. Come out from among them. Are you in something? Come out. God's telling you, well, I'm not sure. Just, yeah, I'm going to just still take the prayer about it. You want a word? There it is. Come out. God doesn't want you to be a part of it. Come out of that. Whatever it is, come out from among them. From Isaiah 52 verse 11. You know why Isaiah the prophet was speaking this? Because the people were in bondage to Babylon at that time in captivity. And they started to adapt now their values and principles. And they started to look like Babylon. And now the Lord is telling them in the Old Testament... Come out from Babylon. You're not of Babylon. You're not of this world. You're not to be enslaved. You're not to be now adapting the customs and the values and the culture of this world. Come out from among them, says the Lord. And be watched, be separate, says the Lord. 
God wants you to come out and God wants you to be separate. You're asking yourself, Lord, do you really want me to be a part of this? No, he doesn't. Why? Because he's asking you to be separate. What is God asking you to be separate from? For First, he wants you to be separate from sin so that you can be separate for God. Are you separated today? Are you so involved? Have you adapted to Babylon, to the world? Where you no longer can distinguish the light from darkness, the Christian from the non-believer, the believer from the non-believer. And separation is really what it means, is investing every moment of your life. You're saying every moment of your life is, is in a commitment now to the authority, to the power of God in my life without any reservation, where I say, Lord, I'm separating myself to you. You have all access to my life. You have all access, you have all authority to my life. I'm separate for you. All authority and all access. Have you given Him that? Have you given the Lord all access and authority to your life today where you can say He is really the Lord and Master of my life? Because my life belongs to Him. The authority and the access to every part of my life belongs to Him. I am I'm coming out from the world and I'm becoming separate. Are you separate from the world? Let's continue reading here because it says here, Do not touch what is unclean, and there's a promise followed by that, and I will receive you. Have you been touching something that God doesn't want you to touch? Have you been touching something with your life as you are the temple that's supposed to be holy, that's supposed to be separate, that's supposed to come out of this world, but you've been touching something? You know what that is. Nobody else knows what that is. You've been touching something when you're not at church or when you're not in front of your husband or wife or when you're with your friends. You've been touching something that God doesn't want you to touch. And you in your mind, somehow you're justifying it because maybe it doesn't make anyone stumble. But God has not called you to that type of life. God's called you to come out and not to touch what is unclean here. And look at, listen to the promise here after that, and I will receive you. That means that if you're touching those things, God will not receive you. <laughs> That's the way that promise is read. And I will receive you. There is a promise here to those that are willing to obey. Don't touch that relationship. Don't touch that bottle. Don't touch now that now location. Don't touch it anymore. What's unclean, do not touch. And then I will receive you. Promise number one, I will receive you. I will welcome you. God welcomes holiness. God always welcomes obedience. You want God to receive you? Would you rather be received by God or received by the world? Which one? Ask yourself. Do I want to be received by my friends? Do I want to be liked by my friends? So I'm going to do this to be liked by them? Or do I want to honor God and received by God? Because I'm still associating myself with those things. Have I separated myself? Is there any separation? Have I come out from those habits, from hanging out that way? Is there any difference in my life? Am I really born again because I've changed these things? Would I rather be accepted in the presence of man or the presence of God? Because it says here, and I will receive you. God wants to receive those, not that are compromising, but those that are now consecrated. Those that are committed, those that are now separated for holiness. Because His presence will not share space with sin. And if you have a relationship with God, it will not be honored. That, that's not even, God will not even honor a relationship. Where you share that relationship with Him, but also you share a relationship with someone that God has not approved of you being with. This is just so clear. In fact, in the New Living Transition, it says, Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and be separate. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Do not touch the filthy things, and I will welcome you. Why is He saying that? Because He wants to keep you pure. 
He wants to keep the church pure. Is the church pure today? See, the church will never influence the world. The church will be paralyzed by the world when it tries to be just like it. When it tries to be influenced by it. Well, we want to be just like the world. We want to reach the world. We want to be just like them. Guess what will happen to the church? It will, not only that, the purity of the church will go down and it will paralyze the power that comes in the church. James 1.27 says this, Pure and undefiled religion is this before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans, to visit widows and their trouble and to keep oneself, what does it say? Unspotted from the world. Are you spotted or are you unspotted from the world? Are you mixed with things or not mixed with the world? In James 4.4, 4, he tells us this. Adulterers or adulteresses, do you not know that a friendship with the world is enmity or hatred or division with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy with God. Now how can you make yourself uh, an enemy with God? How can you make yourself an enemy with the Lord that you worship? By standing up for something that He doesn't stand for. You think about how the church sometimes stands for things that are not biblical. Because you want a friendship with the world. When it comes to policy. When it comes for the things that you believe. The things that you stand for. You, you will become an enemy or an enemy at division with the Lord. When these things start begin to happen. Now he tells us this in verse 18. And I will receive you. Verse 18 now. I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and my daughters. God wants a relationship with you. But He wants it to be a right relationship. He doesn't want you to have one foot in the world and one foot with Him in the church. And I will be a father to you. You want, maybe some of us here, we came in and we need the love of the Father. And the reason why you're not feeling the love of the Father is because you're so connected to something that God's saying, don't touch that, don't be connected to that, give that up. God wants to be a father to you. Look what it says here. I will be a father and you shall be my sons and daughters. God wants you to be His son and His daughter. That's what His desire is, that you have a relationship with Him. As intimate it says, uh, as that, says the Lord Almighty. This is the second promise. That if you don't touch, He will receive you. And also, He will be now your Father. There's going to be fellowship. There's going to be relationship. Who says this? The Lord who Almighty. The word Almighty, and I want you to tell you, I want to you, really define that for you. Almighty, if you study it, in, in its most original now context, Almighty means the God who has His everything or holds everything in His hands. Do you see that? The God who sees ahead, the God who has everything in His hand, the God who is sovereign, the God who is in control says He wants a relationship with you. You see, Paul wants them to understand. He wants them to understand that God is sovereign in heaven. And He offers the adoption of you being His son and you being His child, you being His daughter now, if you are separated for Him. It was said before the church has never had so much more influence in, on the world than when she kept herself alone from it. The church conformed to the world will never lead it. She must separate it if she would lead. You want to be a salt and light, you have to separate yourself from those things that don't honor God. And some very practical questions to ask yourself is, does this drag me down? Does this drag me down? Does it, drag, does it pull me away from my commitment to serve the Lord? Does this now dim my vision of Jesus? Does it make my prayer life more difficult? If this is making my prayer life more difficult, then I don't want to be a part of it. If this is not giving me a hunger for the Word of God, if this is taking my appetite for the Word of God away, then I do not want to be a part of it anymore. 
Because your relationship with God matters. Therefore, us, we must be very sensitive. I want you to be sensitive today. Sensitive for a moment here. To any sin that's in your life, that's in our lives, that we have to say, you know what, I need to be sensitive about this. And I need to remove this so that I can honor God with my life. I need to be sensitive because it paralyzes your spiritual growth. You want to grow? You must be sensitive to sin in your life. And you want to repent, confess it. What does it say? Sensitive so that you can grow in power, in spiritual growth, but also in testimony. How is the first way you can do that? By responding and saying, Lord, Father, I give that up. I yield and I surrender and I submit to you. Because we don't want to be holding on to something that God is not approving of. We don't. We don't want to be standing up for something that God doesn't stand for. God's saying, come out from among them, be separate. But Lord, I love them so much. Uh, we grew up together, Lord. So many years together. Lord, but, but, but God this, God that. God doesn't want to hear excuses. He wants your obedience. And let us start the year with obedience. Let us start the year with holiness. Come out. Be separate from among them. God has called you to a relationship with Him. And it doesn't happen if you want a relationship with the world. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father. There are some of us, Lord, that are battling, Lord. With letting go of something that you don't approve of. Someone, a relationship. And I ask God, Lord, that you would be, Lord, with the church, Lord. That you would be with the church, Lord, today. That maybe you're telling and speaking to us individually to come out from among that relationship. 